0: recent weeks, our study into this passage has taken us first into the reality of who Jesus really is, and then into who He is in us, realizing that He truly is the cornerstone, the cornerstone of all that exists on the earth and in the heavens, things visible, invisible. He's a cornerstone of all of the realms of God and all of the realms of men. He's the cornerstone of all things spiritual and all things relating to God and especially in our relationship with Him. He's the foundation stone of all of our hopes and happiness. And then knowing all of that to be so, a question should remain for us. And that is, what is to be our response to such a great provision of grace and mercy? it seems to be the nature within most of us to hope that our role and all that's required for us to be and to do would be an easy one. That it will be God who does most all of the work that needs to be done within us to save us, to sanctify us, and to somehow get us into that eternal life in heaven. With very little that's required of ourselves other than to perhaps simply say yea and amen as we receive this wonderful free gift. And thankfully God really does do all that. He really does do all of that. He really does most all of the work that's required through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross and through this ongoing work that's being done by the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Most everything that's needed to get us into heaven has been accomplished by God. But with that being said, these scriptures that we're reading here today, they're very clear that there is still much that is left for you and me to do. And again, no, it's not something that will determine our salvation. These words are specifically intended for those of us who are already saved. And it's rather having to do with that which immediately follows our salvation the relationship that we will have with Christ now that we are saved. And it will be for not only our living years, but for also all of future eternity. And may I say again that that is really what Christianity is all about. It is all about relationship. It's all about you and me and our relationship with Christ. And it's really not about, as I've mentioned so often, us even devoutly following all those precious principles and guidelines that are given here in these scriptures. Yes, those principles and guidelines are... and the fellowship within the church is so right and it is so very, very good and necessary. But it's only a small part, a very small part of this precious salvation that God has given to us. And it's rather about relationship relationship the relationship between a father and his beloved sons and daughters. And it's the relationship between Christ the bridegroom and us his bride. And it's the relationship of deep devotion and passionate love that binds human hearts together, both with God and with all the other many people with whom we have to do. And in one of those favorite kinds of expressions... I'd like to say it with this. It is relationship, relationship, relationship. Nothing less will do. And Jesus spoke about that in John 17. Let me read those words for you. In John 17 beginning in verse 20. He said, I do not ask for these only. Now he's praying. This is his high priestly prayer for all of us to God the Father. And he's praying, Father, I do not ask for these only. The disciples that he had there in front of him. and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you have loved me. As I have observed, and I'd like to observe again, that is not the usual Christian experience that believers enjoy. This oneness. Jesus is saying, you in me, Father... Them in me. I in you. Them in you. This oneness. That is not the Christianity that you and I usually observe in people's lives. And perhaps not even in our own lives as we attempt this Christianity. What Jesus is talking about here is a whole other step. One of actually becoming intimately one with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as He's telling us here about having so much that you and I have yet to do. Yes, He has saved us, but now there's so much more that's being required. He's saying it's going to take this oneness to make it happen. You can't just get on your knees and tell the Lord each morning that you surrender everything to Him and then get up and then just get about the day's work. Yes, that takes place, but you and I have to somehow incorporate this into all that we'll do during the day. He here tells us how it all began. It began with Jesus when He came and He gave us this salvation. But that was only the beginning step. It's through this next step that we're talking about here, this oneness with Him, that we're going to carry out this commission that He's given to us. Let me read this for you again, only in another Scripture passage. John chapter 15. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What God is saying to us there is, yes, you're called to be a teacher, perhaps a banker, perhaps a office worker, perhaps just all of the many different venues of work. How do you go about saying to the Lord Jesus and actually allowing Him to make it come about, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's how you and I have a day of prosperity in our job. Whether it be something very menial or it be something of great importance. It is that abiding presence of Christ and His Spirit giving you and me the wisdom to know what to say and to know what to do. He says in uh, John chapter 14, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. You and I will do more works than Jesus did. It's hard to understand, hard to believe, but you and I will do that. And it's because there are a lot more of us than there was just Him. And so, while we the church are being spread out in amongst all these people, we will do more works than Him. And He says in verse 13 of John chapter 14, He says, whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in My name, I will do it. And so that quick prayer, as you're getting ready to pick up that phone, And talk to that person. That quick prayer as you're getting ready to say something in the classroom. That's what he's talking about. Ask anything in my name. I'll give you words to say. I'll give you thoughts to think. Now here in our passage today, Jesus starts to define what he wants us to do. Listen to these words. He says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let me apply it quickly to the circumstances that I worked in for 33 years at French camp. My pencil and all of those columnar pads and all of that accounting software... And all of those other documents that I work with every day, all of the retirement plans that I worked with for our staff, the health care plan, the insurance, the property insurance, all of those things, those were no different than a hammer and a nail in the hand of a carpenter. What I was really being about was ministering God's grace to 100 people and to their families. Yes, I was doing that technical clerical work, but I was doing this. And I had to remind myself of that every day. And I had to deal with them sometimes in hard matters. But it's this, Lord, what do I say to this man that's coming to this meeting now that I have to say difficult words to? Give me words of love that will help him to prosper in his job. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So then, what is it that you and I are being asked to be and to do as we abide in Christ? He starts it here by saying, okay, what I want you to do It all has to do with, yes, you individually, but also you as part of this greater group called the church. Not only this particular church group we have here today, but the church in general. Those other believers that you work with every day. He wants us to take up our position as those living stones that are inside that church, that are made to build that structure of that church. Jesus is the first stone laid. He's the cornerstone. And then you and I are the next stones of this church, living stones. But we are going to be empowered and equipped by God's Holy Spirit to be this foundation of this spiritual house and this holy priesthood that He's calling us to. to, to make these spiritual sacrifices that he says here that are acceptable to God. Now, let me mention, as we talk about this priesthood, for any of you and for anyone that might hear these words later, we should not mistaken the holy priesthood as being that that's being spoken about, that's given forth in the Roman Catholic Church or other churches like them. That is not the priesthood that God's talking about here. Yes, those priests can be part of this priesthood, but only individually if they have then done all of these things that God has prescribed here so that they are then those who have given themselves over to Christ. Regrettably, most of the priests that we see in all these churches today, and I'm not casting stones at the Roman Catholic Church, it's simply that they are far more priests of the Roman Catholic Church and not of the priesthood of God. You are part of that priesthood of God. But only if you have gone by those same requirements that are given here in these Scriptures, and that is that you have given your heart over freely to Christ and you have submitted yourself and you're abiding in Him, then He will equip you to be and ordain you to be one of these priests. And he says here in verse 7, he says that to be a priest... For you to be a priest, it's a great honor for you. Honor beyond measure. And he says, please do not take this lightly. And he tells us in other places in the Scripture, he says, if you take your job as a priest lightly, I will have to call you into account. I recall when Aaron's two sons went into the temple and they were offering up what was called strange fire. God immediately called them into account. They died there on the spot. Now, you and I will never be probably called into a circumstance where we would commit a sin like Nadab and Abihu, as their two names. But God does hold this priesthood, and your and my response to it, very serious. As you and I come to the Lord Jesus, and as we are ordained as His holy priesthood, everything really does change for us. Has it changed for you? It should, and it must you and I are no longer just seeking to save our own souls. Once we have stepped across that line into salvation, we're no longer seeking just to save our own souls. We've stepped beyond into a spiritual condition of priesthood. We are now ordained representatives of God, and as His representatives, we are to be His personal hand at work within the lives of others. And we now have responsibilities that we never had before. Other people's souls depend upon us and our standing in the gap to bring them out of their darkness into the light. That's who we are now. Everything has changed. Has it changed for you? May I say to you, it has. You may not notice it so much, but it has. You now have affinities. You now have kinships and empathies that you never had before. Desires to help others. You care for people much more deeply than you did before. Now you may question, oh, I don't know that I do. I really wish I did care more about them and their souls. Perhaps your measure of love and care is still in its infancy. But God is calling you out of that. And the reality is the Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ, He moved in to take up residence in your heart. And whether you're able to recognize those changes taking place within you, they really are. I thought about this for myself. Where we did not used to pray much at all, we now find ourselves praying so much more. And not just for ourselves. As a matter of fact, very little for ourselves. We now have compassion and empathy for others that we never had before. Many of our personal habits change. Now in these words in this passage, we find ourselves face to face with this assignment. He's saying to us, this is what I require of you now, that you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now so many who would hear those words might say immediately, but wait now, wait. I didn't know that I had signed up for such high and holy demands from God. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I was just trying to keep from going to hell. And now you're telling me that I now have to be a priest. And I haven't the slightest idea what a priest is supposed to do. I don't know about all the laws of God. I don't know how to make spiritual sacrifices. What if I do something wrong? What if I offer up strange fires before God? As I thought through that, I thought we do not need to worry about such things. Because the Holy Spirit who lives within us will always warn us away from those wrong behaviors. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen guarantees us of that. And so he says to us in Philippians 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need to just simply say, now Lord, I'm getting ready to answer this phone. And this is a difficult conversation. Help me with it. Help me to know what to say. I'm getting ready to teach this class or talk with this student. The Lord is present with us. That's that whole understanding of the oneness. He in us. Us in Him. So then as we get ready to do those tasks of the day, suddenly we are able to do things we were not able to do before. He now is in us to help us. I'm running out of time again. As a church, God calls us to become parts of His... Holy priesthood, men and women who will band together, stand in the gap between the weak and the wretched mankind that we are part of and that we associate with every day in God. And He's saying to us, what priests do is that they offer up spiritual sacrifices of prayer and supplication to atone for the sins and the iniquities and the transgressions of others. We stand in the gap between them and God. He's holy, and He requires holiness of us. Sometimes we go off in a wrong direction ourselves, and we get separated from God. Sometimes so badly so, and I know some good Christian people right now that are at this point. We believe ourselves to be so far away from God that we don't even want to enter into His presence and pray. It's then, listen, it is then that we most need a fellow believer to take up our cause and to become a priest who intercedes for us, offering up those spiritual sacrifices on our behalf. And then thankfully, at some point later on, when we see a fellow believer struggling, and they need a priest to intercede for them, then you and I will get that privilege of being the priests that they need. And we'll offer up spiritual sacrifices for them. And that's what goes on in this holy priesthood, daily, hourly, every day, with God's people. Let me close these words from Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray.